It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. Turn me up. Yeah. Hey, check it. I'm still on the come up. I'm still building my resume. I still got a lot to prove, but still I'm heavyweight. I still gotta watch my moves. They try to defamate my character, but I won't let them. It's always checkmate. I feel unstoppable. Losing's impossible. Go against the team, the thing they know not to do. Bright light, game on the line. Do what I gotta do. And just like that, week five is here. Sam Macho, Stanford Steve. I'm Wendy Nix and thrilled to have with us Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. And coach, this is what happened when your team is undefeated. You get asked to do a whole lot of other things. Uh, so first of all, let's start with this. Your team leading the country in rushing yards, top 10 in total yards. Uh, coach, what has allowed this much efficiency in the first four games? Well, we challenged our team really with three things. One, they had to be totally consistent, period. Offense, defense, special teams executing the game plan better than we've executed the game plans in the prior weeks. They fully committed to that. Two, they've had to be able to break boring. You know, breaking boring is very important to us. You know, we kind of live in a boring world at times, you know, uh, when you got to look at our society right now. Not one day in the offseason was ever the same. And then three, they had to do it for each other. This is the most connected team I've ever been a part of since January. These guys are fully committed to one another, do it for each other, and uh, a lot of fun to coach. Coach, you mentioned the guys that you have that, that came back. They're six-year seniors. You call them the Encore Four. And when I think about everybody that talks about Tanner and, and Mo, I think about your offensive line. You lost 197 starts on the offensive line. And John Michael Schmitz is one of those Encore Four, the center, the guy. How important has he been to assess everything up front and get you guys in the right situations in game situations? Well, that Encore 4 is like Peter Pan, man. They never want to grow up. They just keep staying in college. And listen, if we can take them for another year, we'll take them for another year. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I think, is one of the best football players in the country. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent. He's smart. He's even better when the picture changes. He came back for his sixth year to make this offensive line his offensive line. There's a lot of guys playing on Sunday from last year's offensive line, but he wanted to make this his, and he wanted to make that and, and leave that imprint and that DNA for the future of Gopher football. And he's done a great job with that. And this offensive line, I know we only had 34 starts prior to the year, and I think he had 31 of them, has really gelled together very well. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Now, Coach, we were talking earlier, and you mentioned you're only 41 years old, yet you've been coaching for 10 years. I'd love to know, what are some of the biggest <laughs> – yeah, well, outside of losing the hair, uh, what are some of the biggest <laughs> lessons you've learned over the last decade in coaching football? And what advice would you give to either younger coaches or coaches who are new in their program? Yeah, I've learned a lot of things, and I'm saying I'm not perfect at this point, right? You're always learning as a coach, but one, uh, control is for amateurs. You know, we all think we control everything. That's not going to happen. There's a lot of things outside our control, but you've got to do everything you can inside your con control to control the controllables. 
Two, don't sacrifice what you really want down the road for what you want right now. Uh, I think that's really hard to do in college football these days, but you've got to stay true to that. And then three, you have to be yourself. I mean, I'm, I always say I'm not for everybody. Uh, no coaches for everybody. No players for every system. And so I say it meaning that, that I've, I've been hired by two athletic directors who have allowed me to be myself. And I think so many people try to be the head coach and act like the head coach. And uh, I did that one time, and I went 1-11, and 11 and I was awful. Once I trust my people to do all their stuff, we've gotten a lot better. And we got great coaches, amazing people inside our organization, and uh, amazing players, and, and that's the reason for our success. And one of those amazing players, Coach, is Mo Ibrahim. And th one thing you said about him, you said he gets better after contact. You watch the film, that's what it looks like. What do you mean by that? How can someone get better after contact? He just, that's, that's where he does his best work. He's so low to the ground. He's got a great center of gravity. He's got incredible vision, and he's incredibly tough. Uh, and he can see things before they even happen. And that's, that's part of that vision and anticipation in film study. But he's so good at the point of attack because he's got such a low center of gravity. The great thing about this all, all encore four, they all want to coach, right? So I already got the running back coach lined up with Muhammad when he's done playing. Tanner's going to be our coordinator and rep quarterback coach. Mariano Sori is going to be our DC and linebacker coach one day. Uh, it's so fun to have these guys back who love the game, love playing, and love doing it for each other. Well, I tell you what, and if it's true they don't want to grow up, they are also the smartest players in the country because we all know that is 100% overrated, so they should stay where they are, Coach. Uh, listen, your team with a chance to improve to 5-0 and this weekend will be watching, and we certainly appreciate the time. It means a lot to us in our program. Roll the boat, Sky Mago Gophers. Thanks for having us. All right, and happy birthday to your wife, by the way. Staying in the Big Ten, number four Michigan goes on the road for the first time this season to a place you could certainly say they've struggled over the last six meetings in Iowa. The Hawkeyes have won five of the last six. However, each of those were decided by eight points or less. Jim Harbaugh, though, over for Iowa, Sam, when it means going to Iowa. That can change in a heartbeat. But nevertheless, does this have the makings of a trap game for Michigan? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, Iowa offensively is not very good. They're ranked in the bottom, I don't know, quartile. Bottom, I mean, 116th, 124th in passing offense and in, and in total offense. But the, the issue here is going to be, can Michigan run the ball? Iowa has a sixth-ranked rushing defense. Last week, Blake Horn ran it 30 times, 243 yards. The week before, he had five touchdowns, a Michigan running back. And so if Michigan can run the ball, they'll be able to find a way to win in Kinnick. If not, it'll be very, very difficult. Yeah, easier said than done, Sam. I look at that <laughs> yeah. Michigan offense, and the biggest factor to me is J.J. McCarthy going on the road, his first start. Wendy talked about the struggles Michigan has had, but it's not just Michigan. It's everybody that goes there. It is a tough place to play, and when you look at how uncharacteristic Iowa is as a team, their offense scored 30 points this year. Their defense has scored 16 points. So you get a different kind of animal when you get Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. I will say Good for Michigan. It's a noon game instead of a night game. That's a whole different animal. But I'm really interested to see J.J. McCarthy against that defense in his first road start at starting uh, at quarterback for the Wolverines. You said it. We're four games in. And, again, worth repeating, it is Michigan's first road game this season. Yeah. Still to come on College Football Live, we've got some big games in the Big 12. Some teams, some of them need redemption. Others need to stay on track. It's a pivotal weekend of 
conference matchups will tell you what you need to know. And the SWAC West squarely up for grabs. Tiffany Green and Jay Walker are here with our weekly look at what to expect in the HBCU. College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Dr. Pepper. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to College Football Live. Tiffany Green along with Jay Walker hitting you with the latest headlines around HBCU football. Jay, at the start of the season, we knew that Jackson State was the favorite coming out of the SWAC East. But checking out the West, let's look at these standings. The wild, wild West, as we like to say. Prairie View A&M won it last year. They're atop of the standings once more. All Corn State vying for that position, but really, it's up for grabs. And you look at Southern 0-1 start conference play they were predicted to win it all this season out of the west your thoughts on who's going to take that title uh we, we know southern's going to be southern you know they're going to find a way to get it together hopefully right but i want to talk about two teams that i think can really compete for a title that may sneak up on some people first let's go down to the reservation Alcorn State University head coach Fred McNair has the Braves playing brave football. I told y'all earlier, where there's smoke, there's fire. They've got one of the best rushing attacks in the conference, led by a star in the making and Jarvion Howard to go along with Nico Duffy. All corners of teams that is going to be heard from and have something to say. But also, how about Prairie View A&M? We talk about the new coaches coming along. I don't know if we give enough credit to first-year head coach Bubba McDowell with the job he's done at Prairie View. Quality victory over Texas Southern. They've got two wins in the conference. Look out for Prairie View A&M and the Panthers to have something to say in the wild, wild west, which we call the SWAC Western Division. The fact that it's wide open, Jay, and we're not mentioning a school like Grambling State or Southern Shocker and Grambling, removing that G. Hugh Jackson says you've got to work to earn that. All right, let's look forward to your power rankings this week. And each week, it's been a little shakeup. Yeah, you know, you got to win. You know, these are power rankings. What giving you the eye test? What do I see? What do I believe? And you heard me talk about them earlier. Coming in at number five, I think all Corn State is on to something. After starting off the season 0-2, two consecutive victories in impressive factor, 
Look out for Alcorn State and the Braves playing their best football of the season. The best is yet to come. At number four, Florida A&M. I've got to keep you right where you are. It was an impressive home victory versus Alabama A&M, but Alabama A&M is 0-4, but I do think the Rattlers are one of the premier teams in all of HBCU football. At number three, hey, coming off some victories out there in the West, give it up to Bubba McDowell and the Prairie View A&M Panthers. This is a team that's gotten stingier on defense from a season ago. The offense is always going to be down there in Prairie View, Texas, but the Panthers are playing good football. At number two, they're trying to make a case to be number one. How about North Carolina Central University? Quarterback sensation Davius Richard is a star, and Trey Oliver's got a team that plays fantastic defense. The Eagles are leading the MEAC chase. And number one, not just number one in the HBC rankings, but now a top 10 team nationally, led by the nation's number one FCS defense, Jackson State University. You throw in the star power of National Player of the Year candidate, Shadur Sanders, and that's why JSU is still number one in all of HBCU football. On the bubble, not quite making it, South Carolina State. I think we're seeing a team fall off the top five because they played arguably the nation's toughest schedule. They're paying for it right now, but we look for Buddy Pugh to have the Bulldogs in contention for a celebration bowl berth at the end of the season. And the Bulldogs take on uh, University of South Carolina tonight. It should be a fun weekend of football across HBCUs. High snap, kick up, kick, good! And the Red Raiders celebration can begin. Kansas State behind Adrian Martinez, who lost so many games by one score at Nebraska. He shows up. Incomplete! They were looking in the direction of Kobe Bryant. Time for our weekend wake up brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. The Big 12 matchups are big this week. Oklahoma will look to rebound off the loss to Kansas State at TCU. Texas Tech will look for a ranked win on the road at Kansas State. Oklahoma State and Baylor, a rematch of the Big 12 title game last year. And Sam, I know you have your eyes on Austin, Texas. Oh, definitely, especially after last week's loss. I mean, Texas had such an encouraging game, not even a win, a loss to Alabama, but a game where your starting quarterback goes down and you find a way to fight. You're down 17-7 the next week to UTSA, find a way to win. And then you lose in the fashion that you do to Texas Tech. Texas needs to find ways to win close games, number one, and also win games when they're up at halftime. Oftentimes in the first half, Texas is leading, and there are nine losses under Steve Sarkeesian. Five of them, they were leading at halftime, but they do not, have not been able to finish so far. And so, of course, what Sark says is, once you do it once, you can do it over and over again, but somebody needs to find a way to do it one time. Find a way to win one of these close games in the fourth quarter, and that'll build the confidence. All right, let's talk about the Sooners. Yeah, Sam, well, they was... redeem themselves, Steve. <sighs> Yeah, they got a big spot here, Wendy. You know, uh, they look good in their first road game when they went to Lincoln. They come home, and Kansas State has their number again. Now what do we have? Now they go to, you know, Fort Worth, TCU coming off a win against SMU. Why did Kansas State beat Oklahoma? It was the mobility of quarterback Adrian Martinez. And when I look at TCU, they have the goods at quarterback. Whether it's Duggan, Morris, they can play multiple quarterbacks. All those guys are all mobile, and I think they're going to give Oklahoma fits. But when you look at Oklahoma, they have to tighten this defense up. Venables was brought in. 
People said, you know, the defense was going to get tightened because of Venables, and they didn't look great last week. The offense is not a problem. Dylan Gabriel putting up numbers, but you see the numbers there for TCU's quarterbacks. They have been tremendous. Big spot, first Big 12 game for Sonny Dykes. I expect a really, really tight game. Well, probably the biggest game uh, we're talking about out of all the Big 12 games is the game with the defending champion. You got Baylor and Oklahoma State. Let's not forget, last year, the Big 12 championship, Baylor plays Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders, who's one of the top quarterbacks in college football, last year only had 12 turnovers. Seven of them came when he played Baylor, and it's two games against Baylor, four in that Big 12 championship game. And so, yes, while Baylor's offense should be exciting, the bigger story is that, that right there, that physical defense from Baylor, finds ways to turn the ball over. If they do that again, you'll find Baylor getting another victory over, over, over Oklahoma State. Yeah, and then obviously everybody's darling in the Big 12, Sam. We got Kansas. <laughs> Kansas again at home. Another sellout. And now Iowa State comes in. And when you look at what Kansas did last week with all the eyeballs now, with an undefeated game against Duke, I get it, out of conference. Kansas already has a leg up on everybody with a road win against West Virginia in Morgantown. So how do they keep fouling this up? This will be the best defense they face with Iowa State and Matt Campbell coming in. Iowa State gave it their all against Baylor last week in a home loss. But now you know Matt Campbell will have some kind of game plan to slow that man down right there because nobody's been able to slow down Jalen Daniels. And I can't wait to see what this matchup brings because it's the strength of Iowa State against the strength of Kansas. What's going to give? And I tell you what, Steve, Kansas may have slept, may have slept on them for a few weeks, but you get into week three, week four, now you're going to have to take them seriously here <laughs> in week five. There's no question about that. It's certainly a big weekend in the Big 12. We continue here on College Football Live. We're going to talk a little bit about Washington because we got Friday night fever. When this game takes place, Washington battling UCLA. We'll talk about the Huskies going the distance in the Pac-12. College Football Live is presented by delicious ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Forget this game. Uh, this game day actually still scheduled outside at Bowman Field. Uh, rain or shine, could be some rain again. Nine o'clock Eastern on Saturday morning. They're going to be outside as it stands right now. Uh, time now for our Dr Pepper Championship Drive game of the week, and it's tomorrow night. We have Pac-12 after dark on ESPN. Number 15 Washington on the road at UCLA in a battle of undefeateds. The last time the Huskies and Bruins played with neither team. Having a loss on their record was back in 2001. That's been a minute, Steve. Nevertheless, I'll just ask it like this. Will Washington stay the course and win the Pac-12? Oh, right to the point, Wendy. All right. Uh, let's see just here. get right to I gotta it, like Steve. Their chances. <laughs> I got to like their chances the way Michael Penix Jr. has looked. And I'll let Sam talk about them. But I want to look at this schedule because there's two major things that are not on this schedule. Utah or USC. And now there's no more divisions in the, in the Pac-12. So it's best record. And I think if Washington goes to the Rose Bowl tomorrow night and takes care of business, 
they you could pencil them into the Pac-12 title game. You know, you see a game with hated rival Oregon in there. Obviously, Washington State at the end of the season, but there is a there is a path for Washington to the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas if they take care of business tomorrow night in Pasadena. And it looks like they will. They will. I mean, you look at what Michael Penix Jr. has been able to do. He leads the nation in passing yards per game, number one. Number two, he could have transferred to a lot of different places. He was actually visiting different schools when he said, let me go and reunite with Kalen DeBoer, my former offensive coordinator when I was in Indiana. And that offense has been outstanding. Why decided to go? He said, man, I see the talent. I see the potential. And there's so much, not even potential. It is actual actuality that we're seeing with this Washington offense and their defense. He's 12th in yards and passing yards uh, attempted and so for me I get really really excited about this Washington offense just they have a really creative uh, passing attack and creative passing style I, I appreciate it yeah when you look at the other side this is a true test for Washington's defense going on the road for the first time playing a Chip Kelly offense Dorian Thompson Robinson in charge of the calls there for the Bruins and I think about Charbonnet. I think UCLA has to run the football in order to be successful because when they do that, that keeps the defense, their defense off the field, and obviously Michael Penix Jr. off the field. There is some concern about depth on the UCLA defensive line, but they're going to win this game. If they're going to win this game, it's going to be their offense, and they're going to have to outscore Michael Penix Jr. and the Huskies. So I, I expect a, a really high-level game, really good offenses on the field, and it should be really close. Hey, Steve, let me ask you, because you started about the no divisions and the best record wins it, which I think is, a, is an important distinction. Do you like that? Do you like this setup going forward? Uh, I, I just wish we had more balance and they took took account of who plays who every year. You know, when you looked at the North and South, it felt like we never we didn't get enough USC Oregon games or USC Washington games when there was that crossover. So I think it's so, I, I think it's a chance for the conference to look at the schedule from a standpoint. Now we're losing two big name teams in the next couple of years, so they have time to reassess everything, and uh, hopefully it works out because you just want the the schedule with, with, with balance in it. And I know part of the reason, uh, Stanford Steve, is that they wanted to have a higher chance for the best team to be able to go to the playoff. And so get rid of the divisions. Correct. Now you got the best team. And so we'll yeah. see how it turns out. But to your point, it'll be interesting to see since the crossover games will be different. Mm -hmm. Sam, let me ask you, we got to ask Steve this yesterday, but we're a month in. We'll soon be five weeks into the season, which is sort of incredible when you think about what's the biggest surprise for you? You can give me the biggest surprise team or player. Hey, Who you got? You got to wait for me. It's Kansas. It's hands down Kansas. <laughs> it's Lance so I talked to him at Big 12 Media Day, and I mind you, I know Lance Leipold from my last year in the NFL. I was playing with the Buffalo Bills for a bit and ended up being released. He was coach for the Buffalo Bulls. He said, hey, come train with our team. Come train with our guys. Come train with our at our facility. So I'm a big fan of Lance Leipold. He goes to Kansas, struggles in year one, but year two, I mean, he just has this belief and he instills this culture everywhere he's been. And for me, not only like Jalen Daniels is great, all the things, but they have four good running backs on that roster. And I'm like, is it the running backs or is it the offensive line? The defense <laughs> plays with attitude. I love Kansas. I don't know a better way to put it. I'm, I'm really high on Kansas. Well, they love you, too. You know, we did that whole interview last week, and your jersey was hanging in the back. So I, I think the feeling is relatively mutual. Uh, Steve, he talked about uh, Jalen. Is he a legitimate Heisman contender? Oh, hold that I'll thought. Talk, I'll See talk you next time. Next week. I'll be back. <laughs>